got status, now I'ma beat y'all back I pull up on the block, in a big Corvette yeah. Riding around the city with a stick all black Hello, welcome to the Rise Project episode 102 A conversation about Life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. My name is Ivan Temelkov, and I'm your host. And this morning, my amazing sidekick, Courtney Turner, will be joining me in just a few minutes. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, we will gather 100% real, raw, and unfiltered life-changing advice to help you level up in every aspect of your life and business and help you reach your goals and dreams. So. Welcome. This is the first episode of the Roz Project live, I believe, in 2021. That is absolutely insane. Um, so we are officially into a new year. And, you know, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this past month, so in December, I know that there was, you know, the typical circulation of New Year's resolutions and everybody was you know, talking about like, hey, I'm going to make 2021, you know, so great. Uh, but, you know, 2021 really is no different than 2020. If you spent 2020 moping around and dwelling on world issues and your own deficiencies and, and other people's problems and whatnot, then 2021 is really not going to be any different for you. And it's not going to be any different for you because you have not changed your mindset. You are still set in your old traditional mindset. Now, in order to progress, you have to change your mindset, okay? You have to believe in the power of manifestation. This is something that I focused on in 2020. I focused on how can I infuse more positivity in my life, in other people's lives? How can I be more optimistic? How can I be less pessimistic? Because at times I can't be pessimistic. I'm not going to lie. And all of these things have really helped me. So I'm giving you this advice to you if you haven't considered it in 2021. And before we jump into the main conversation while still waiting on my amazing sidekick, uh, Courtney Turner, um, I wanted to mention to you that we are streaming everywhere live. Right now on YouTube, on Periscope, Facebook Live, uh, my Facebook group, the Human Marketing Alliance. If you haven't joined, feel free to send an invite. We'd love to have you there. Lots and lots of free info and advice, business insight. Uh, we're also streaming on LinkedIn Live on my LinkedIn profile. So if we're not connected, we'd love to get connected with you. And actually, I was thinking about doing this, but I didn't end up doing it. I might actually, actually end up doing it here. While we're uh, while we're live, and um, that is streaming on Clubhouse. So uh, the new app that everybody's talking about, Clubhouse, it is the place to be. You got to be up in the club. If you're not up in the club, you're messing out. And I'm telling you this because I have been fortunate enough to forge some amazing relationships with new folks, uh, new guests for the podcast that will be coming on. And um, uh, I'm excited to share that with you guys. And uh, Clubhouse has been where everything has been happening. So uh, if you're not on Clubhouse, if you're on Clubhouse, excuse me, uh, feel free uh, to follow me. Ivan Temelkov is my handle, which is my handle pretty much everywhere uh, on all the socials. 
and uh, look forward to uh, maybe jumping in into a room with you. And um, so with that being said, uh, I'm still actually waiting on my amazing sidekick to join us. So uh, she'll be uh, she'll be arriving shortly here. But I want to share a story with you guys um, real quick, and, and it's really relevant to what we're going to uh, talk about in this episode. And that is the fact that, uh, and, and I published this actually on my profile about social media bullying. Um, and, you know, the backstory, if you guys don't know this, um, I was bullied all through high school. And so I've noticed that social media, you know, in social media, social media bullying is a real thing. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, it looks like uh, my amazing host, Courtney, is here. So let's see if I can uh, bring her in. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You look refreshed. You look uh, energized. Uh -huh. All feel the same in good. this new year. All that. All that. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. And well, welcome, welcome. First episode of 2021. This, yeah. this, this first episode. I was thinking about it before you joined. I'm like, holy shit, is it really the first episode of 2021? Because I think we spent time. You know, just you know, I know you were traveling, and I can't yeah. wait to talk about that, um, <laughs> to hear about your travels and your experiences. But um, uh, how was your new year? How, how's the new year kicking off for you? It, it, it's going. It's uh, a bit, uh, a bit of a roller coaster. It's definitely interesting, exciting times. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's a new year. I'm here. So. Yeah. How about you? Yep. You know, let's just say that I woke up this morning and that's a start because <laughs> I feel like you know, winning the day starts with getting up, at least for me, you know, and my, my schedule is so crazy between being a father and a husband that, you know, th there's no such thing as uh, normal. Like there's no such thing as structure. I feel like in some oh, days, so for sure. it's a good start. you know, it's a good start for me. I'm alive. You know, it's Monday. I'm ready to conquer and divide. And before we jump into the combo though, because you know, this is a really, I was, as I told you on Messenger, I'm really looking forward to discussing this topic with you because <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think the sensitivity of the marketplace and what's going on, well not just the marketplace, but the world. I was gonna say the marketplace because there, there's a, <laughs> a lot going on. Right. 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 We're gonna talk about that. But um why don't you, you know, give us a 30-second intro about yourself? You know, I think I was thinking about this as a lot of people. I wanted to come from you. Tell people who you are, what you do. Don't forget about your podcast, too. Yes, yes. The Courtney Turner Podcast, episode three, is coming today. Yay! Um, so a little bit about me. I have kind of an interesting uh, past, the circumstance. I'll give you the really brief rundown, but I was born with congenital rubella. My mom had germ measles during the first trimester of pregnancy, so I was born with lots of afflictions, if you will. Uh, some of include I'm blind in one eye, I wear bilateral hearing aids. I actually learned how to speak by reading lips because I didn't get hearing aids, so I was almost six years old. I had heart surgery when I was a year old. I was born with hypotonic limbs, so the muscles in my limbs didn't develop. I had fine and graphic motor impairment, stunted growth. Missing 10 teeth. Uh, so, yeah, lots and lots of challenges. Um, but 
I am here today, and that is a miracle. They told my mom the best she could hope for me was to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. Very fortunately, my mom did not believe that, and you know, here I am. So I do a bunch of things. I, as uh, Ivan said, I'm a podcaster. I have launched my podcast. I created a show. It's called Wim. What is Movement? We explore ways that movement helps people to heal emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. I am a huge believer in living testament to the power of the healing power of movement. And I'm very passionate about inspiring others to find ways that movement can help them in all of those arenas. So it's just a little bit, I could go on, but you know, we, we don't have all day. So, <laughs> well, uh, first of all, you know, the reason I had you share your bio and actually I'm thinking about this doing, doing this in every episode is because I don't think most people fathom the nuances of your story and like how powerful your story is and uh you know the things that you know you've experienced because i think in today's day and age that we live in so many people take so much for granted you know and let's just face it i mean unless i'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move this stun is go ahead go ahead um unless you know you you go through adversity in life unless you you know, you face challenges unless you lose something right. or you're to a disadvantage or you work hard for a thing. I believe you cannot fully appreciate it uh, if, if I, you don't do all those things. I think that's so true. And, you know, I not I never want to say that, like, I'm grateful for my challenges because, you know, I it's been really difficult. It really has. And I'm not somebody who likes to... Uh, I'm not going to, you know, pretend otherwise. That's that's not genuine. However, I will say that it is. I think that it's part of the reason that I am a very resilient person. I think it's given me tremendous gratitude and appreciation for life. It's given me a sense of what is important, um, and it it just gives me. I think I have a sense of. I, I don't know how else to put it in a concise way, but a real fire and passion. And I think part of that's my personality, but I think. Is a part of it is knowing what I've overcome and knowing that, yeah. you know, I can beat odds. And there, there's something really comforting about that. So. So you said fire and passion. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing I admire so much because most people don't have fire and passion. They just don't. They just coast through life like it's yeah. a fucking sailboat, literally. <laughs> and you have to have fire and passion. If you have desires, if you have goals and dreams, if you want something really, really bad, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in business, you got to have fire constantly. Yeah. Well, and you also, you have to have, you have to know what you want. I think that's one of the things about most people is most people, uh, you know, they, a lot of people complain that they're not happy or they're not achieving uh, goals or they're, they're not where they want to be. Um, but I think what most people don't recognize or don't even stop to examine is what do they actually want? I, I think most people don't even know what they want. And you, you can't you can't be happy. You can't achieve things if you don't know what it is you're going after. Right. That, that's the first step. Exactly. Before anything, a lot of people need to really sit back and look at what what lights them up, what makes them excited, what uh, what do they care about? Absolutely. Well, you said most people don't know what they want and i firmly believe that i think most people try to accomplish the things that other people want 
And we've talked a little bit about this is that living upon other people's expectations, living in other people's lives because other people. So, you know, a lot of people try to emulate others, right? So they see people that influence them in a certain way. So whether it's in business or just individuality, I think. And then people say, well, I want to be like John. I want to be like Mary because John lives in a big house. He has a lot of money. He has fancy cars. He seems to be happily married. So I want to be like him. And that's great. That's great that you look up to people like that who are successful. But in the reality of things is you got to find your own version. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the thing is that as human beings, we all want we all want love. We all want validation, you know, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. That is intrinsically human. And, it, you know, we all want those things. However... I think we are constantly seeking things that are not authentic in pursuit of that. And yep. the truth of the matter is that we, you need to fulfill yourself first. Um, it sounds super cliche, but, but it's really true. Like, you know, if, uh, if I'm pursuing somebody else's goals and dreams, then it doesn't matter how much external validation I get for it. I'm never going to feel fulfilled and happiness and fulfillment are not the same thing, you know? So happiness is fleeting. Uh, it's a, you know, a, a momentary feeling, emotion, and it's a great thing. You know, we, we all want to feel happy and feel joy, uh, but fulfillment is much more sustainable. And that that's really what most people are seeking, but don't necessarily realize. Yeah, no, those are really good points. And just to add to that is, is uh, happiness and fulfillment are commonly misconstrued, as you outlined. And I think a lot of people struggle in defining, well, what is, what is, what's happiness to me? What's going to make me happy? Or what's going to make me fulfilled yeah. to where I feel like my cup is full and it's always full, right? And I think there's a differentiation there between happiness. For example, happiness for me is, you know, I love being around my family. I love spending time with my kids. I love being with, with my wife. And I actually talked about it um, in a prior episode of the podcast that, you know, that's that's my number one goal. And for a long time, I think, so when you look at goals also, because everyone ha- has goals or everyone does, is happiness and fulfillment play into that as well. But happiness and fulfillment are two different things. You know, I feel like is money going to give you fulfillment? For to some people, maybe, you know, maybe they'll feel like if I have enough money, I can fix all my problems. Right. A relationship. Yeah, I that happiness is linked to fulfillment, but I, I, I'm sorry that money leads to fulfillment. But, you know, people who say, like, money the root of all evil or people who say, those are people who, like, have never experienced really being depraved, yeah. <laughs> you know. So uh, I feel that it does make things easier, you know. But there, there are studies that show that it's up to a certain point. Like, ha- after, because most people need to have a certain amount not to be at base level, not to be in survival mode. Um, and once you have that, they show that, you know, happiness doesn't really, uh, or even fulfillment doesn't really change much beyond a certain level of monetary gain. Um, that's not to say that I, you know, discourage or disparage anybody who has uh, fiscal goals, because I, I think that people, I, I am very opposed to uh, complacency and mediocrity. I think it stifles uh, hum- human growth and progress. And I think, you know, material uh, achievements are something that does motivate people. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I don't, I I think there's something wrong with it when that's all that you're seeking in life. 
you know, because then you, then you're trying to fill a hole and that's an insatiable void that's never going to be filled by material goods. But for people to want to, you know, be in a better place tomorrow than they are today, uh, both materially and otherwise, I'm all for it, you know? You know, uh, speaking of money, and this is a really interesting topic, because you made a very good point about filling that void. Mm -hmm. uh, I think with most people that, and most people don't realize this, is that when they acquire more money, yeah. I think uh, eventually greed starts to become a driving factor because you make money, then you want more money because you think that that's going to fill that void. So you're like, I want more and I want more because, yeah. and I've heard this as a constant in a lot of, you know, successful people, success in the meaning of millionaires, right. you know, that some have even lost it multiple times because they made bad decisions. You yeah. know, they're overspent. They, they lived above their means because they allowed the money to dictate the trajectory of their life. Right. And it's easy. You know, you get your hands on money. You're like, ooh, this looks nice. That looks fancy. You know, let's buy this. I, I'm going to like this. But then after you go through so much of that, first of all, two things will happen is one, either you're never satisfied. So greed continues mm -hmm. to drive or you're you're satisfied and then you become immune to materialistic things right absolutely yeah you know i think it's like anything it's a bell curve you know uh there there's a point where there, that becomes too much of a focus and it it detracts from you know any other kind of meaningful uh, achievement um but i also think that it's disingenuous for a person to say they don't care at all you know it without any money life can be really difficult and you know, I'm saying this is somebody who I wish I was more motivated by financial uh, gain. That's, you know, that's actually not something that motivates me. I, I'm not going to work super hard just for the dollar. I, you know, I have to really care and be excited about what I'm doing. Um, and that's not true for all people, you know, so I think whatever motivates you, you know, follow that because I, my, my, uh, my point is really just that I want people to use whatever incentivizes them to work hard and to pursue things and to feel motivated to go after what they want, you know? I I agree wholeheartedly with that. You know, you made a very interesting point about what motivates you, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, I've seen this on both sides of the fence, I think. I think it just really varies on the person. Like you said, it varies on, you know, what does motivate you? You know, like I know for me, uh, and, and I've really been thinking about this, especially in the beginning of this year. I mean, last year, my top three goals were, you know, family, health and fitness and business. Now, two and three struggled mm -hmm. for probably a couple of years. But last year, I feel like I kind of ironed out number two and number three, because number one, I mean, that was a given. You know, I'm a family guy. That's a given. You know, family, mm -hmm. everything I dropped. Right. right. Number, two and number three, I was like, OK, number two was business. Well, I always focused on making money. But then I was like, okay, Ivan, well, if you can't be in your optimal state from a mental and a physical standpoint to where you feel good about yourself, because there's just something, and this is above my pay grade with like dopamine and stuff and what it does to your brain and stuff. But then I realized that, you know what, like number two is health and fitness, because if I perform physically mm -hmm. better, I feel good, better about myself inside more mental state shifts my business will literally take off and that's literally what happened in 2020 and so but that's just me those are my motivators that's what drives me and i think a lot of people struggling finding what motivates them 
Not what inspires them, more, more, what motivates them. There's a big difference. And um, with, that, yeah. actually, with that, actually, I wanted to segue to sure. uh, what I want to talk about today, and that is standing up for what you believe in. So I know you recently- Perfect segue for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, And look, I'm a firm believer that, and, and this is something I've struggled for a long time, especially since- my self-esteem and self-confidence was in the shedder all through high school and being bullied to where I feel like I spent the decade trying to rejuvenate that, literally. And I feel like even at times I have horrific flashbacks. I, uh, with, with that. I, I, I actually want to right? address that because something about right? this week uh, that really, you know, was kind of a, a, a I don't want to say an epiphany because I, I had been aware of it, but it was, it was something that was very strong, strongly resonating with me and that I kept coming up for me over this week is that I, I think, and, and I think this is true for all people, but for me personally, because I too has spent so much of my childhood being bullied. Um, and, it, you know, not just, you know, emotionally. I mean, the, the kids were brutal. I, I think most people who have gone to school for junior yeah. high understand what I mean when I say that the kids were really truly brutal but i experienced actually a lot of physical uh brutality as well um you know like i i still have flashbacks of like kids throwing pencils at me and i you know through middle school i, I started skipping school and i when i got brought to the principal i i told them the truth you know that yes i cut class because i didn't feel that you know there was anything productive about me sitting there you know being a docile while people, while the kids are throwing pencils in my face, you know, like what, what was right. that? What was I learning there? And the principal actually agreed with me. He was like, "I fully get it. You are fully justified." That's yeah. awesome. Um, and so I, but because I experienced so much then, I was, I think, for a lot of my life, I was very much a people pleaser. You know, I wanted so much yeah. to be liked, and I think a lot of that stemmed from being uh, ostracized and being bullied and. The, the physical brutality. So, you know, what people don't understand, a lot of times people don't recognize that the reason they feel so physically attacked by uh, emotional assaults or, you know, uh, those kinds of uh, bullying, even if it's not physical, as human beings being ostracized, being isolated, but when we look back at prehistoric man, that literally could, was a threat to your survival, your physical survival, yeah. because we were pack animals. You know, we we are social creatures and we depend on one another. And so if you were being ostracized, if you were left out of the clan, then you might not survive because you might not be able to get food, shelter, all right. the survival needs. And so we do take that as a physical uh, assault. However, you know, if you've been physically uh, attacked as well, you know, then we you do have some sort of a post-traumatic stress response to that. I say all this to say that what I realized is that, you know, as a result, I was constantly in the sense of I have to please others because I don't want to experience that again. But, you know, I'm old enough now <laughs> to realize that it never mattered how nice I was, how much I kissed the ground that, you know, my my bullies walked. It doesn't matter. You can't appease your enemies. You can't bargain with the devil. And Amen. I don't care what your religious beliefs are, but the devil, figuratively speaking, you know, I think we can all agree that there is evil in the world. There are uh, antagonistic forces and you can't appease them and you can't make bargains with them. So the only thing you can do is be true to yourself. 
And through that, you will find your, your tribe, your people. And I honestly believe that you will find them, but even if you don't, because there may be a period of time where you do walk that path alone, you are better off doing that because there is nothing worse than creating internal strife. And if you are inauthentic to your own uh, path and to who you are, the core, you know, and you are devoid of your own integrity, that you, you will hurt yourself way more than anybody else could ever hurt you. Yeah. I, that is so beautifully said. And there were so many different things I was trying to take mental note of the things you said, because I want to take it back because like when you said the reason why you're so resilient and I can relate to that because I'm a resilient guy myself is that I think I remember now and oh my God, when we're talking 1994 to 1998, that's a long time ago. That's 26 years ago when this happened. And I think the reason I said that it has taken a decade for me to process this is that I simply could not find answers. I could not find a way to translate the mental and the physical trauma that was experienced as a result of this. And for instance, when you were talking about that, you know, the, the principal actually believed you for being bullied. Well, I would see my counselors on a regular basis and I would tell them what I was going through and they would be in complete disbelief because they didn't think they couldn't fathom. And mind you, bullying back in those days was not classified as an offense. It was not interpreted in such way. So their response was kids just being kids. My response is, fuck no, that's not kids being kids. And as you were talking about that is that I think over the years, you know, it it most definitely impacted my mental state. You were talking about how being a people pleaser, I could relate to that too, because I was afraid to be an anomaly. I was afraid to stand up for what I believed in. I was afraid to speak up. I was afraid. In fact, I remember so many instances, you know, I was good at algebra, you know, in school. And like, I loved it, believe it or not. I I wish that's one thing I would have retained, if anything. But then I would get so excited when I was the first to get the answer, you know, the problem and raise my hand. And then like, oh my God, the stage fright. Everybody looking at you and like, oh, he's raising his hand over lunch, pointing at him or, hey, you know, on the bus, which I sat on the back of the bus for majority of my high school career, basically. And then being pushed or kicked and be like, oh, you had to get up and answer that problem, didn't you? Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, that that kind of behavior is traumatic. It really is. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as, post-traumatic PTSD, but it really is a post-traumatic behavior, post-traumatic effect that I created. And so this is why the more I was thinking about, what will be a good topic for today? I'm like, you know what, standing up for what you believe in. And uh, with that, actually, you know, and that was a really good segment right there. I really, (laughs) really enjoy that. I appreciate you sharing that because I actually didn't even know that about you. You know, and that's the beauty I think about this show, Mm -hmm. at least a lot of the response I've gotten from people and saying, you know, it's real, it's raw, it's authentic. You know, there's no bullshit. You're not going to find this anywhere else. It's not a replica. It's not an emulation. Right. That's what I love. You know, I love the authenticity aspect of that. So you were in DC, I believe. So let's start with with that, and, and and I want you to tell the story about the trip and why you were there, because I absolutely admire your 
courage and tenacity behind that. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I am. Um, yeah, I think that that's something that has really come up for me a lot over this year, actually, is that, uh, so just to give you a little uh, background without being too long and drawn out about it, but um, I, I think I've always had an interest in uh, political dealings. And, you know, I think a lot of people may not necessarily understand why, you know, it's not like I had a political aspirations ever. It's not like I care about politics in the sense of what most people think about politics. But, you know, as you know, I have a very strong passion for psychology, philosophy, um, and for personal development, really just the betterment of humanity. And the way I look at politics is it's the, uh, it's the way that society can uh, enable, best enable people to function. And to the American politics has really been about preserving the free will of humanity. And right. there is something really unique about that. There's something incredibly special. And, you know, I use this word cautiously, but I truly believe it's divine. Um, there is no other nation that has stood up for the free will of humanity the way that the United States of America has. Our founding documents have those concepts embedded within it, and they stem from Judeo-Christian values and principles. Um, and, you know, one of the four, first and foremost being that we were endowed with inalienable rights. And, you know, all that said, I, I say all that as a preface because it is about preserving freedom. And it, so I, I feel what we're up against right now is very, uh, you know, pivotal times where we're seeing the forces of uh, tyrannical forces, tyranny, uh, mm -hmm. fighting free will. And that, I think, is why other countries have been so invested in what has been happening with this year in America, with our current election, um, and, you know, all that has transpired, because they're looking to us to be that beacon of hope. They've always looked to us to be the beacon of hope, and yeah. to preserve the potential for them to have freedom and free will. And without free will, humanity dies. And that that is just a literal fact. Um, yeah. It is what makes us unique from all other beings. And that is not to say that we're better than other beings. You know, I don't want that to be misconstrued, but we are unique. And I think that because we have free will, we have the ability to do good for other beings and for yeah. other people and other uh, nations. So all that to say, it is something I'm really passionate about. You know, it goes as early as when I was in sixth grade, I created a board for a voucher system. I went to a school that uh, didn't have its own high school. Uh, I'm sorry, I, went to, I lived in a town that didn't have its own high school. Um, right. And so we had a neighboring town that had a high school, and it was a physically dangerous uh, school. You know, like you had to go through metal detectors to enter the school. Um, and, you know, if you were white, you, there was a literal threat to your existence going in through the school. Through the school. Um, and the education wasn't very good. And you know, I, I was somebody who actually really cared about education from a really early age. You know, I, I've always been a very avid, uh, passionate learner. Um, so I created a board uh, for school choice because I wanted the I wanted people in my town to be able to choose from neighboring schools that had really good school systems um, and that were safer. About six years after I graduated, they actually did implement the voucher system. I like to think I had a oh, wow. I don't know that I absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yes, you did. You had an influence <laughs> to that. 
Thank you. I, I hope I did. But I share that just to say mm -hmm. that, you know, it is something that I've always really cared about. And, but uh, back to what we were discussing earlier about being bullied and having your voice swallowed because right. you were out of fear and out of a literal fear for your existence. Um, I have gone through, you know, ebbs and flows with being owning my voice um, and certainly owning my uh, voice in, you know, with regards to politics. Right. Um, because I've always grown up in places, I've always been lived in places where my views were not popular. I've been in industries, you know, I was an actress and producer. Uh, people did not appreciate my, my stance, my viewpoint, and you could literally be blackballed uh, where you could not work in the industry. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, even in the fitness industry, which you, you would think that people, no. but I think it's because of where I live, you know, LA is kind of a fitness mecca. But it's also a very uh, left-leaning uh, place, and you know, really? tolerant. L LA is really more left-leaning. Really. <laughs> shocker! Shocker! Spoiler! Alert. It, it, it really is. It, it really is. And you know, yeah. the reason why I'm bringing this up, just I want to touch upon that, is so. First of all, as an actress and in the fitness space, I mean, that, that's just completely, completely. Ridiculous because I meaning ridiculous is just that why can't we just agree to disagree? Like we would just be so much better from a human stand standpoint. But that's literally one of the biggest problems that I feel like even for centuries we haven't been able to solve as humans. Yes, I, I think we, we you know that is what free speech is standing for. That's what the First Amendment. Uh, represents is the ability for there to be a, a milieu of ideas and you know a, a place for discourse um, and that does not mean you know just viewpoints that you agree with or concepts and ideas that you support um, so that that's a huge misconception uh, people you know don't really understand the premise behind the First Amendment so I share all this to say that, you know, so I've gone through really periods where I was really afraid to share my viewpoint, uh, literally just out of fear for my physical safety, which is a terrible thing to even be vocalizing, but it happens to be true. Um, however, I, over this year, I, as I shared earlier, you yeah. know, I wrote my, I wrote my college thesis on existential authenticity it is something that is the cornerstone of my existence it's something i really live my life by it is my it, it's one of the things that guides my moral compass and i need to be true to myself and i never want I, hypocrisy is one of my biggest pet peeves we all have pet peeves hypocrisy is something i have no tolerance for no respect for and no patience for and so therefore i never want to be that person and i always say that one of the problems with people on the right is that they don't speak up, they don't uh, push back. And, and I'm not in any way suggesting violence, but, but just sure. speaking up. And I think a lot to, it's twofold. One, it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, uh, in terms of personality profile, and there, there are scientific uh, studies that have been shown, they tend to be more polite. They, they have a lot of respect for rules and for the law. And so, you know, they, they tend to be very polite. You know, there's a lot of, uh, they, uh, they abide by social contracts and they respect that. And so they tend not to want to be contentious and not to want to be disrespectful. And so, but that what they sacrifice is being heard and they allow themselves to be pushed over. 
And that I have, I, I can't, I can't be a part of that anymore because we have been so railroaded and things have, the, the spectrum has shifted so far away from the founding principles of this country. And so I didn't want to be a part of the problem. So it was really important for me to start speaking up and sharing my view. Yeah. It doesn't mean people have to agree with me. In no way is that what I'm saying. I, I love a good debate. I was on the debate team. <laughs> I have no problems with a good debate. As long as it's truly a debate. Yeah. I have not ad hominem, not attacking character, you know, truly discuss the ideas. And, you know, right. you can disagree with the ideas. But sometimes when people disagree, you know, and have true discourse, new ideas emerge. And that's the beauty of freedom of speech. So all this to say this was incredibly long-winded, but I, I felt that, you know, with what has gone on this year, it was really important for me to do what I can do to stand up for truth, to stand up for America, to stand up for the free will of humanity. And one of the things you can do is peaceably assemble. And so it was really important for me to stand up um, and take this trip to, to show numbers. I think that, you know, there's a lot of power in numbers. And there, should, there were, there were I, I know the media is misrepresenting this, but I was there. There was over a million people, at least at the ellipse, there was over a million people. Well, I want to, I want to go back for, for a second, because I definitely want to hear about the experience. I would love for you to share it. But um, when you were talking about the debate team, and the point I'm trying to make here is just that I 100% agree with you, is just that discussions and controversies and confrontations are essential. Yeah. Now, where this gets gray that most people don't understand is just that when finger pointing starts, now you said healthy debates, and I'm all for it, is you know, two parties sit down and have a discussion. Let's figure out a solution to the problem that's yeah. going to benefit all and humanity, right? But the reality of things is we can't do that. It's like, you know, a couple of kindergartens sit down and it's like it's a bickering contest. That's why I think politics gets so scrutinized. Well, I, I will tell you this, um, you know, I, because I've for, you know, been very silent for periods of my life, and I've also yeah. been around a lot of uh, political groups, I will tell you, the the right argue with each other all the time, because we're very independent thinkers, <laughs> and we, we get into, and I'll say, I, Arnie, I know you don't agree with me on this, I'm like, I don't, and I'll tell you why, you know, and, but we respect that. And we understand that when you're going and we, we open the floor to discussion and sometimes it gets heated, but at the end of the day, we respect it. And yeah. it, the times, you know, I mean, I, I can't, there's always exceptions to the rule. I hate when people point out the one exception. We're like, no, look at this one, you know, data point that's over there on the other side of earth. Right. Right. That, that's not representative, but they're for the most part, we respect it. And it's not personal. We're like, okay, you have a different perspective and we listen and then we argue back and forth. And sometimes we come to a meeting point, a middle ground. But what I find is that what part of the reason that people aren't able to have discussions is because of censorship and we're literally getting shut down. And that we're seeing that right now, people are literally not allowed to have a voice. And that, that is fundamentally not okay that is abhorrent it is the first step towards oh. communism and it is it is the precursor to genocide and i know that sounds like i'm being you know histrionic and melodramatic i am absolutely not anybody who has studied history looks at the tactics 
Look at what yeah. happened in yeah. Germany. Look at what happened in Stalin's Russia. Look at what happened in Maoist China. Look what happened in Venezuela. You know, I, I can go on and on. The breadbasket of Ukraine. You know, the first step is you silence the voice that you do not want to hear. And then you, there are a few other steps and then you go to, and they kill them. That's literally what happened. You know, uh, I, I wanted to touch upon that because a lot of people actually don't know that I come from a former communist country. You know, uh, and just to give some preface to this and then why I'm alluding to this is because uh, I was very young. I mean, up until the age of nine, I could not celebrate the holidays because it would, it would have been a breach of law. So as part of communism, it was like you could not celebrate the holidays. You had to celebrate the dictator. Basically, that would, that's that's how tyrannic, if that's the right word, was. It absolutely you know, tyrannical. And now that this is all happening is... I think is and, and the more you're alluding to this is I agree with you because but at the same time for me is from a logical standpoint is that I was so young that I was so questionable because it was you know I was thirteen years well I was ten years old actually when we immigrated to the Czech Republic. Yeah. And we lived there for three years actually as part of a refugee camp to transition yeah. into the United States. It was in a city called Ustinad Labem, which is I'm sorry, say that again? Usti nad Labem, that is actually Czech. Usti nad Labem. I used to speak Czech at one point oh. in my time, and I wish I would have retained that. But uh, Usti nad Labem is about 46 hours outside of Prague. And the refugee camp that we stayed in actually was uh, a former uh, base during the war. Uh, so this would have been, I guess, World War II, I believe, when Germany and the Czech Republic and all that was happening. Let me tell you, the shit that I saw is not something that a 10-year-old should not see. But the, the reason I'm mentioning this is that as we were immigrating and going right. through the immigration process, right, like, I think I was so young to really yeah. rationalize of what was happening. I mean, to honestly, I remember being 10, 11 years old and just this one story. And we had, you know, uh, uh, immigrated as refugees into this camp. So basically, this was a camp where now I can actually communicate this because I'm understanding it. Is that so? These were for people that had no asylum, no country. Right. When you immigrate, you become a refugee. Most people don't know, and you have technically no well. You do have asylum, but you have no asylum because you're seeking greener greener pastures. Right. You're seeking a new country that aligns with your morals and values, and. Honestly, so I remember we're, we're living in this room. I mean, it was like this this one room, basically one bedroom that we lived in, my mom and my sister. So my father had immigrated in the late 90s to the United States with $400 in his pocket and was working through the immigration process to bring his family, which, mind you, for three years, I only talked to my father via phone because there was no social media. Right. And like every Sunday, he would call long distance, and we would have to go to a phone that was there at the refugee camp and actually talk to him. Now, this is how bad it was in the room is just that there was graffiti and there was this huge skeleton on a wall that someone had drawn. And I had to stare at this for almost three years because we lived there. Now, what I learned through that experience as we were talking about communism is because we were kind of like on the borderline. I mean, right. you know, like the Czech Republic, well, it was Czechoslovakia at the time. It wasn't Czech Republic and Slovak Republic because they actually split down the middle which is what most people don't know. Yeah. And this happened, I don't know, maybe 10 years later or five years later or something like that. And that was part of, you know, seeking their own independence. 
as mm-hmm. countries. So this was Czechoslovakia was a huge country. They split down the middle because the Czech or the Czech Republic and now the Slovak Republic had basically a difference in opinion. I mean, that's what countries you know do. They have different morals and beliefs. Sure. Now, now with all this happening with this last election and Biden coming in as a president and and Trump leaving. I think there's been a lot of mixed emotions about what is happening because, and and a lot of questionability around like what is really happening, you know, and that's why I actually wanted to talk about standing up for what you believe in because going back to being bullied. I am so emotional. (laughs) Yeah. That's absolutely fine. It's absolutely (laughs) fine. It's, it's, it doesn't, I mean, people, human beings should be able to stand up for what they believe in and Absolutely. not be intergassed or pushed or imprisoned right. because of their beliefs. That is literally yep. the beauty of this country is just that, you know, you can stand up for what you believe in. Or unable to work. Yeah. Or silenced. Or work. Right. Yeah. Or unable to work. I mean, I, I, mean, I remember. What we're doing right now. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And, and, you know, as a small business owner, I'm really starting to rationalize, rationalize, you know, everything that has happened. And, uh, you know, I, I feel blessed. I really do. 2020 was a very difficult year between COVID-19, death in the family, you know, the whole stimulus, uh, the, the, the election also. Like, but I think that's where you said resilience comes in. Is this that, look, there's always something happening in the world. That doesn't mean that you don't care about those issues. And I love people like you who stand up for what you believe in. I truly do. But at the same time, is where resilience comes in is just that you try to figure out a way how to thrive, how to continue living, right? Because at the end of the day, is I feel like so many people get bogged down with, you know, all the world problems and everything. And that's fine. That doesn't I mean well, I, I want to say something about that because I think it's something that Americans don't really appreciate because it, if you're truly under totalitarianism, you don't have that freedom. You don't have the luxury to just focus on your business. You don't have that luxury to just do what makes you happy because they they dictate what you can and can't do. They dictate what you can and can't say. And it's, you know, right now what we're experiencing with the big tech censorship, that that's yeah. as abhorrent and as truly iniquitous as that is, it is a small fraction of what could be down the pipeline. People's yeah. lives could be a jeopardy. You know, literally just for having a certain position, just because they, you know, because they were born into and believed a certain religion, people were killed in Nazi Germany. And that that's what they're trying to do. That make no mistake about it. In the New York Senate just passed a bill that is literally death camps, and people wow. are literally death camps. And people think, oh well, you know, this is about oh you don't like Trump and or you like Trump and you like Biden. That's not what this is about. This election was stolen. People on both sides of the aisle have recognized that. Yeah. You can people can dis- dispute, you know, the extent of the fraud that. I, but make no mistake about it. This election was stolen. People's voices are not being heard. It, the evidence has not been heard. And yeah. we don't have transparency. 
So, for, you know, just let step aside from whether or not it was stolen or not to even be able to investigate the transparency, the evidence. And if we don't have that, we are a banana republic. And if we don't have free and fair elections, we don't have a republic. And I won't go down this rabbit hole right now, but I truly think that this is the time. It's not even about preserving the republic. It's about restoring it. I honestly think this republic was, was lost. It's been living under a facade for a very long time. And it is time for the American people to stand up. It is supposed to be consent of the government. It is we the people. You know, it is for the people, by the It is by the people, for the people. You yep. know, so it, this is really, I do feel in a lot of ways that this is a 1776 repeat. And it yep. is time for the American people to stand up. It, it's not, I think Trump stood for a lot of things that, this country represents. And I think in a lot of ways, that's why he was so overwhelmingly voted into office. Um, yeah. But it's not about Trump. This is about the American people. And I think with or without Trump, the American people need to stand up for their freedoms. If you don't exercise your freedoms, they will be taken from you. It is just like yeah. if you don't exercise your pull-ups, you will not be able to do them. It is the same. You, you know, what you, what you choose to exercise is what you will strengthen. And I think people have gotten so complacent in this country, they think that they're invincible. We are not invincible. It is really incumbent upon the people to stand up and rise up. And that is why I went. You know, um, one thing that I wanted to touch upon that you said that's, uh, I think, a key takeaway from this is just that, and I agree with this, is just that I think so many people try to make this past election about who won and who lost, right? But you made a very valid point is just that it's important to oppose and stand up because there is a lot of wrong. There is a lot of lack of transparency. There's a lot of tyranny. I feel like it's happening. And, um, you know, as I as the discussion keeps going now is I think the, the questionable piece around is finding the factual information. Right. Because, you know, for me personally, it's just that. It, you know, I've had some people literally <laughs> block me on Facebook because they think I'm ignorant about what's going on. It's like, oh, I'm not angry, ignorant. It's just I'm I'm trying to get educated about what's happening because I do. There's so much censorship, so it's really yeah. hard. And I I do sympathize, you know, and I empathize mm -hmm. with people who are are trying to sift through and figure out what is real, what is not yeah. real. Um, you know, that, that is the first step, is the propaganda. And we've been living under an uh, incredibly powerful propaganda machine. And yeah. the, the voices, the independent voices, are really being silenced. I, you know, I, I've experienced it firsthand. I've witnessed it. 60,000 Twitter accounts have been taken down. 60,000. Wow. Think about that. What is the purpose of that? And for no reason. Lots of people have been deplatformed with no justification whatsoever. And I don't care yeah. what you think about, about Donald J. Trump. Like, he is the president of the United States. If they censor the president of the United States, he has no way of communicating with the people right now. If you do that to the president of the United States, you, you're a fool if you think they can't do it to you. Yeah. No, that's a really good point uh, that you made because, um, so the censorship with big tech, I want to address that for a second, is this, 
you know, and I think this is really where things get, get gray is because I think big tech, like social platforms are independently owned. And first of all, a lot of people- They're independently owned under the, the Section 230 privileges. If they wanted right. to get rid of the Section 30, right. 230 privileges, they can do whatever they want. People go to the New York Times, they know what viewpoint they're getting. It is filtered. Everybody knows that, you understand yep. that. When you go look at things on the, the New York Times, you know that it's been edited, you know that there is a very myopic, uh, biased viewpoint that you will be reading, and that's fine. You you go there for that viewpoint, or you go there to see what the other side is saying, but you know it is full disclosure. But when yeah. you go to a Twitter, for example, it is supposed to be like the telephone. It's supposed to be like, like a real internet search, not a Google search. It is supposed to be a free speech platform, net neutrality, where the it's the analogy of having a, tw a, a text, like if I was sending a text and it's public and anybody can right. go to that text. You can go and so, so I could text and, and say, you know, the grass is red. People can say, Bernie, that's stupid, like you're wrong. And people can produce <laughs> evidence. They can show me a picture. Right. They can say, Bernie, look, I, I really think the grass is green. But or and but what if I'm joking? What if I'm what if it's satire? What if it yeah. do you shut it down because oh that's false information? Who's to say it's false information? Maybe I had a light on it. Maybe I was joking. You know? Yeah. That's well, a healthy discussion. Yeah, and that's actually where I was going with that is to round out that conversation is because even though I was saying that these are privately owned platforms under Section 230, you're absolutely right because one of the biggest, most pressing issues I feel like over the last two decades has been that neutrality, you know, is, and I feel like now it's, it's an even bigger issue because of the big tech censorship that is going on because, and that's just it. Like, I feel like most of my content and even on the podcast that comes out, it's like, I, I lead in with describing, okay, just remember these are privately owned social networks on governed under section 230. So there needs to be, like you said, if I say the grass is red and people say, no, the grass is really green. And you're like, well, I was joking. I was being sarcastic, but your post will get censored because you're incorrect, right? So it's like- but Here's the problem. Most of the time, these fact checkers actually are not, not factual and it's not correct. And moreover, Fact checking, it, it, it's a fallacy, it's bogus. And I'll tell you why, because you can't fact check opinion. So if I present a fact, you can provide counter evidence. Now you can say I'm wrong. You telling me that I'm wrong is not productive. That does nothing for me or for anybody else reading. However, if you provide counter evidence, we can have a discussion. Okay, we can about, or even if you provide logical deduction, logical reasoning, we can walk through that. But to just tell me my fact is wrong does no good for anybody and it's not productive at all. However, if I present an opinion, you cannot fact check it. There is no way to fact check an opinion. So that, 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 that is an absolutely good point. That is an absolutely good point. People posting their opinions. Right. You're going to fact check somebody's right. opinion is asinine. <laughs> that's a really good point Courtney and I actually want to touch upon that because I'm I'm a person that a lot of people tell me I'm wrong a lot of times and it's literally exactly for the reasons that you explained is that you cannot fact check an opinion I feel like people try to fact check an opinion you can just, and you can't fact check it <laughs> right 
Right. And, and so I feel the same way. And this is why I tell people, and I give people the benefit of the doubt, which 99% of the time people don't. This is one of the, one of the things that we align upon is just that understanding the benefit of the doubt. Right. So if you question, let's say my opinion, I'll be like, okay, we don't agree. You don't agree with my opinion. Okay. Why don't you agree with my opinion? But that's where most people get it wrong is they say, well, fuck you. I don't agree with your opinion. It's like, no, you can't say that I'm wrong. Exactly what you say. You can't say that I'm wrong without giving me a reason of why I'm wrong. And even then, where have you fact checked this? What's the source of your facts? Like bring that to the table and show it to me because I am that person that will say, all right, now I believe you. Bring me a fact. Bring me, bring me something that's legitimate, that is forged in stone. Right. That is it, like law. It's, I mean, it's law. It, it can change. Don't get me wrong. Laws are meant to change and new laws are meant to be introduced. That is the point of the entire system. This is way above my pay grade is, you know, the way laws are basically being made is for the betterment of humanity, to serve the people, to solve problems. So very much to what, like you well, said, is a I lot of a lot of may have not been, but that that was the idea, the intention right. behind originally. Right. And where I'm going is with this is this that, and this is why I, I very much like you, I stand up for what I believe in. That wasn't always the case. And when I'm questioned, okay, great, I'm questioned. <laughs> Bring me some valid proof to the table. Literally, yeah. don't tell me that this this is how it is because to answer an opinion with an opinion is not a fact. No, um, and but it is okay for people to have a different opinion and to discuss different opinions. I, I support that. I fully support that. That that's a discussion. That that's a debate. That's discourse. That's healthy. I let you know hash it out. Discuss your opinion, but right. understand the parameters that you're discussing opinions. That this is my opinion. This is why I believe what I believe. This is your opinion. You believe, and maybe we can agree. Maybe we can disagree. Well, that could be a healthy conversation. But to have these fact checkers, these arbitrary fact checkers that are so biased. And they have an agenda, and that their only intention is really to censor. This is Herbert Marcuse's liberating tolerance all over again. 1967. Accept everything from the left, reject everything from from the right. That is literally what we're witnessing right now. And that was that was what his intent. And he literally said that. That's exactly what liberating tolerance was. How ironic is that? That's what's well, tolerant about that? There's nothing tolerant about yeah. that. Well, that's Not where. Wrong. That, that's where what you just said is this, I think, um, an indication of, you know, a totalitarian yep. approach and communism is just that to accept everything the way that it is or the way that it's being force fed to you, because that's what communism basically is, is just that accept it, don't oppose it. You oppose it, you could be in present. Or, basically. or, or killed. Yep. Or killed. Yeah, or killed. And, um, you know, I, I think that's a really good point. And it's probably you know, a separate discussion because, yeah. you know, um, I, and, and this is, you know, the, the reason I wanted to talk about this topic is, is that, you know, not just from a political standpoint, but also from a human centric standpoint, Absolutely. because freedom is important. You know, you have to stand up for your freedom. You know, you have to stand up for what you believe in. Even if you're the only one, like going back to the high school days is, yeah. Would you have had the audacity to be the only person to stand up what you believe in in an auditorium of 300 people? Probably not, because you would have felt scared. You would have felt that you'd be pushed around. You would have felt that you would have been judged. And I think that that's what a lot of people are feeling is just that, 
you know, that they're going to be judged if they stand up for their values, for their morals and what they believe in. And but this is ultimately what the founding fathers, you know, forged in stone is that stand up for what you believe in. Even if it's not correct, still stand up for what you believe. But you know what? I think I think with, with the election, you know, COVID and, you know, the stimulus and the financial hiatus and everything, I think he has, you know, uh, de- derailed many people to where it's, you know, it's clouded their judgment, you know, and it forced them to kind of almost self-doubt themselves. And that's why I wanted to talk about this is because stand up for what you believe in. It's important. Understand, and this is why I personally am taking stronger interest into this as well, because I feel like maybe I don't have enough education. I don't understand what's happening, but I'm also the person that say, look, you know, don't kill me for not having enough education because <laughs> I will get it. But if you're patient enough, I will come around. And that's where people, I think, get too eager about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I so love that you're open you want to learn. I mean, we, none of us know everything. <laughs> it's not possible, right? And the only way you can't, by shutting down a conversation, is not going to help people learn. So the only way people can learn is by allowing people to question and be inquisitive and to explore. And we need to have, that's why these, these free speech platforms are so important. You know, I, I've, I've been on so many threads recently and people are like, that's, you know, that's crazy. That's bogus. Like you can't present that. Whatever. And I'm like, well, maybe it absolutely may be, but yeah. shutting it down is not productive. You know, you can say, I think that's fake, you know, and then somebody else can say, actually, no, I've seen this that corroborates it, you know. So that's a healthy discussion. And it may be crazy, it may be bogus, but it's just, it's not productive because people can't learn if they're constantly being shut down, if voices are being silenced, if evidence isn't being heard. How are people supposed to learn? People don't just learn by osmosis, you know, it needs to be presented to them, it needs to be explained to them. And, and people need to come to their own conclusion. That, that's what for the beauty of free speech and, the, uh, you know, and it, that ability is for people to be able to learn. It's for people to be able to develop critical thinking. And I, I just feel that's so lost. Instead of critical thinking, we have critical theory. And critical theory is incredibly dangerous. Human beings are endowed with critical thinking. That's what makes us unique from other beings. And it is incredibly sacred. And we need to be preserving it and encouraging it and teaching it. You know, um, <clears throat> so setting politics aside for a second, is, there's a really important lesson here is, is that um, what you said about shutting down a conversation. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, humans, we sort of have the shield around this that, you know, when something um, unforeseen or something uh, that is an anomaly, something that's, you know, alien, you know, tries to penetrate that shield, right. it's easier for us to put up that shield and shut it down, right. not question it. And right. I think this is such a key, key element, especially in social media, is this that because, and I've seen that actually come and bite me in the ass because I'll entertain the idea of what someone brings to the table. I'm like, you know what, maybe I don't agree with this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, tell me why you feel this way. And they'll be like, no, I'm not telling you because it's just the way it is. It's like, no, you can't tell me ju- that it's just the way it is because it's your opinion versus my opinion, right? So give me a reason 
that this is the way that it is validated. Well, I, I will say this. I mean, people have beliefs and sometimes, they, you know, they're entitled to be entrenched in their beliefs. You know, that like I think religion is a really good example of this. Yep. So, you know, somebody who is a uh, who is very deeply religious, you know, whatever religion it may be, they're Jewish, if they're Christian, what, whatever it may be, they're, they're, they're very strong in their conviction. Probably anything I say is not going to change that. They have faith and they're entitled to that. You yeah. know, and they, they hold that dear and I, I can respect, I can disagree with it and respect it, but I can also know, and I can present my evidence and my thoughts and my, my, you know, whatever logical reasoning that brings me to a conclusion that may be different than theirs. Mm-hmm. But I need to respect that sometimes people have beliefs that are not going to be changed. And I think people can be more honest about that up front, you know, in the beginning of the conversation. Look, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to preface this discussion with, I strongly believe this. I'm willing to listen to what you have to say. It's probably not going to change my belief. But I'm open to having a conversation. We can discuss why I believe what I believe. You can discuss what you believe. And know that we're probably not going to change each other's minds. I think that that's actually okay. That's part of free speech. And people exactly. need to respect you have different beliefs. That's what you just, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I was actually going to say just that. Is just that, you know, be respectful of respecting other people's beliefs, you know, and not grade them because you don't align with their beliefs. You know, and that's where I think, you know, freedom of speech is sort of a, a, a double edged sword is because, as they say, you know, surround yourself with like minded people. Right. So, you know, you, you have certain beliefs like religion. Right. So Christianity or, you know, whatever religion. Right. Is this that well, Christians usually surround themselves with Christians. Right. Because it's similar, similar beliefs. Right. But at the same time, you know, different religions can coexist and they do in the world. So, you know, from a politics standpoint or an uh, individuality standpoint, or just Mm -hmm. having mutual respect, really, that's what it comes down to. So I I think going back to what you said earlier on in the show about taking interest in the politics in sixth grade, (laughs) because I think you took interest in it because it was for based on a belief that you had, Yeah. based on a belief that you have retained, I should say, because you Mm -hmm. still have it to this day. Yeah. And this is, you know, I mean, I, you're an exceptional person because there's not that many people out there who, you know, understand about mutual respect, whether it's politics or not, being able to agree to disagree because you understand that as human beings, we need to coexist. That is well, for the betterment. I think it's also because you said, that, you said that it stemmed from a belief that I had and that I retained. And I, it's because I think one of those core tenets is that I value, it's not just about respect for agreeing to disagree. It's I respect individuality. Individuality is sacred to me. And I, I, I have such a strong, uh, it's one of my core values. So yeah. that's where that stems from. And that's where my political interest stems from is the value of the individual. I have value in individual life individual voice, individual life, individual progress. Because I think that that is, you know, the the ultimate minority is the individual. And I want to stand for that. I want to stand for the growth of humanity. And if we don't stand for individualism, we don't stand for the growth of humanity and the survival of humanity. So, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, one one thing that 
I wanted to talk about on the political side is so the left and the right is one of the one of the unf, uh, one of the you know sort of anomalies I should say or one of the unforeseen things about left and right I should say is just that there is no you know agree to disagree it's my way or the highway whether it's the left or the right it seems like at least from politics and you know it's to say that you know and, and that's something that i feel like has been kind of the driving factor behind the media scrutinizing things because they can spend it any way they want to that's going to benefit you know their audience and their viewership right like you said like the new york times you know what you're going to get from there this is why i personally and this is not just a political thing. Is just that I think I've made the executive decision after many, many years that you know what? When was the last time you turned on the news and you saw a positive story? It's like bad story. Someone got killed. Right. So there's, there's a couple. Of, there's a, a really key reason for that. Um, it's something in psychology. It's actually called the. I guess it'd be called the bioevolutionary psychology. But it's a. It's called the power of bad, and. We, we know that the, an example is that it would take four compliments to outweigh the impact of one insult. And it's because as human beings, we're really primed to uh, be alerted for negative things because we could be attacked by a tiger, a bear, and that's, that's our survival. So looking at the roses and smelling the flowers is nice, but that's not as important for us to be alerted to. So we have this... Uh, dopamine and uh, reward circuitry uh, that response to negative things because it's essential and integral to our survival. And the media knows that and they play off of that. Something you mentioned that I heard Ty Lopez talk about on Clubhouse that is so ironic. He said that the reason I'm I'm bringing him up is because I didn't know that he has had some of the world's best psychologists, believe it or not, actually tutor him. And that's where a lot of his success actually has stemmed from is because as Tony Robinson's quote says, you know, business is 90% psychology, 90% execution. You could be the the shittiest of what you do, but if your psychology is superior, you're going to dominate. And he was talking about um, the fact that what you just said is that humans actually are geared more towards to be pessimistic in a way, because like you said, four compliments, you know, uh, supersede. Uh, a negative comment or something. You, you so, need four compliments to counterbalance a negative, like an insult. Exactly. That's what I meant to say. Exactly. And I think it's so saddening, but it makes sense from a logic standpoint, because like you said, I think as humans, we fear for our survival. Yeah. So when we fear for our survival, like you said, you know, you fear because you know what, I could walk outside of my house and, you know, a, a drive-by happens and I get shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I could fear about that. But that's why it's so important. And we're seeing a lot of this in social media is like so much positivity and optimism is being infused to change the perception of people. That's why I'm like, you're negative, you're pessimistic, you know, lack of optimism. I, I don't want to be around you totally. it's just because I get that shit every day. Like I can manifest that in my mind. Why would I want someone else to manifest that for me? So it's ironic. You said that as human beings from a, this is what I admire is the psychological aspect of this is is that how we're driven as humans to be uh, in fear for our survival and going back to, uh, you know, prehistoric man, right. Is this that, you know, the Neanderthals, I think. Yeah. Neanderthals is that when you look at the Neanderthals and the evolution of man and woman, I should say, Mm -hmm. 
right? Is that's exactly what happened in those primitive days. Is that we literally? Why did we hunt? You no. Know? Well, why do we try to survive? You know, when the big winners and 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 you know dinosaurs and all of that, right? Like back in those days before like man was even alive, right? It's like it, it it makes sense, right? Is that it's fear for survival, and I think. A lot of people, especially in social media, and that's probably true for me, is just that sometimes I'm pessimistic because I'm fearing for my survival. And then people misconstrue that and like, Ivan, why are you so negative all the time? Like, no, I'm not negative. It's just I think I'm allowing that fear to come out. And that's why I've tried to turn a page. Now, mind you, for like every one probably pessimistic comment that I'll make, you know, I'll make like 10 good ones. You know, like I try to really shift that, that mindset because. I feel like it's that devil, like you said earlier. I feel like it's the devil that's like always like on your left or right shoulder, depending on how you look at it. Right. right? Like, no, you need to be negative. You don't need to be pessimistic. You know, you know what? Today shit's going to happen to you. It's like, no, 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 no. Change that thinking. So uh, to round out the discussion, I, you know, really good points that you brought up from political, from an individual standpoint, from a freedom standpoint. I think it's important to stand up for what you believe in, fight for what you believe in. Even like you said, you know, be okay to understand that, you know what, you might not always be right, but you know what, you would rather stand up for what you believe in than be in silence. Yeah, and you're never going to learn if you're wrong if you don't have the freedom to stand up for what you believe in. You know, yep. you, you, otherwise, you're just in your own little bubble. You're never going to learn. You, yep. If you have the courage of your convictions and you stand up for what you believe to be right, you you will be faced with reality. You will be faced with truths, and the, your right. your point of view may change over time. But if you're just if you're constantly silenced, whether it's by your own censorship or external, you will never have the ability to evolve. Never. And that's why you have to stand up for what you think is right. And you have to have the ability to be able to, whether it's, a, you know, internally your own courage or whether it is by external forces allowing you the freedom to voice that and to be able to stand up for that so that you can confront reality. Otherwise, you're just in your own little imaginary bubble. I want to highlight something that you mentioned again see i absolutely love your you know psychological uh aspect your angle on this this is one thing that i admire so much is and you said um if you're not wrong you will never learn and that's key because let's face it we learn in life through experiences so when we're wrong there's a lesson to be learned right and that lesson will be you know what i fucked up so I'm going to do this different the next time. Well, some people will never get it right. <laughs> they might fuck it up multiple times. That's the pessimistic me, right? Fear. Now, hopefully out of that bad experience, if you're wrong, I should say, you learn. Yeah. And that's why, because you're not going to be self-righteous. It's just not, it's not feasible. And I think a lot of people think that. Whether it's politics or humanity, is this, I think a lot of people use self-righteousness as a guard. To say that you know what, and it gives you some sense of maybe fulfillment, I guess, or mm-hmm. happiness, which, or filling a void in your heart to know that. Well, or got- moral superiority. Moral superiority, <laughs> absolutely. And all of this, all of this that we talked about, is not just life, but it's business, it's entrepreneurship, it's anything that you do. 
I mean, literally everything is psychology. And honestly, um, I watched this movie actually before I forget. It's called Fathers and Sons with Russell Crowe. Um, and it's about five years old. Uh, we happen to watch it over the weekend on Netflix. But um, long story short, you know, he's a writer um, and he writes these fictional books, right? And uh, the reason I actually like this movie is, and there were a couple other Hollywood uh, actors in it, but I'm a little dumb when it comes to remembering Hollywood actor names and actresses also. But the story was so fascinating because um, the psychological aspect was basically around survival and experiences and lessons in life also. Because you know, he's a writer and then you know his wife passes away, he suffers seizures, and then you know, his daughter grows up to be basically, you know, a little bit deficient. You know, she struggles with the void until she finds true love. And then when she finds true love, she doesn't know what to do with it. Oh, wow. Okay. She actually, I mean, she actually rejects it because it's so different. Basically, you know, she cheats on the guy that loves her. Oh, no. And then it just eventually creates the bond. But the learning lesson, the psychological lesson behind that is just that, and I've seen those with, you know, people who find happiness and fulfillment in life and in business also is just that the, the realest of the real, you know, do go through a lot of adversity and a lot of challenges and a lot of wrong and a lot of experiences. But I feel like that's almost essential. Yeah. I, I know that I know that sounds completely counterintuitive, but to go back to why are you resilient? Because you were bullied. Literally. Yeah, because I am because I was bullied, and I think also because I faced so many challenges. I mean, you yep. know, it wasn't just the I was it wasn't just the external bullying. You know, there were right. uh, physical challenges that I had to uh, learn to cope with, and learn to compensate, and learn how to literally function. You know, uh, yeah. so I think that by and you know when we we're talking about being wrong. Uh, that, you know, I think hand in hand with that is uh, failing. And I, I spent so much of my foundational uh, years failing, you know, I, I and failing in things that were so uh, basic to most people just because of my physical challenges. Yeah. I mean, you can't hear, you can't see, you're uh, having trouble breathing because your heart's not functioning, you know. You know, uh, these are, they're literal, literal threats to your survival. Um, so I think because I have battled so many threats to my existence, I that that builds fortitude. So that's not to say that I I'm in any way invincible. That's not to say that I I don't have you know just as many struggles that, you know as everyone else. But I think there is a uh, inner strength in knowing that I have battled things that are really difficult from a very early age. Yeah. Courtney, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> that was that was amazing. That was amazing. And uh, but you know, I want to wrap up this episode because uh, I, I love the conversation. Thank I some watchers hopefully have some takeaways, you know, from this because this is real. You know, this is this is from the heart. And you know, whether it's politics or just anything you believe in, just stand up for it. You know, right or wrong. Obviously, you're standing up for it because you think it's right. But even if it's wrong, that's okay. You know, that's that's okay because we're not, as human beings, we're not always going to make the right choices. And um, but we're flawed. We're fundamentally flawed. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. 
Well, and with that, actually, I want to wrap up the episode, but I want to throw in a plug because your third episode, Speaking yeah. Your Truth of the Courtney Turner podcast, you can find it on Apple, Google, and Spotify. It's actually out in audio and video now. So go and watch it uh, because this is a segue into standing up for what you believe in. It's an amazing episode that Courtney and Madeline Powers did, by the way. And um, Courtney, I want to thank you as always. You know, uh, this was an amazing, amazing conversation. But uh, do you have anything else to add or sign off? No, I, I cherish these discussions. So thank you so much. Yeah. All right, everyone. That was it. Episode 102 of the Raj Project Live. Make sure you subscribe everywhere in audio and video. And we'll be back live this Friday, same time, same place. Take care. Bye. Bye.